Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Dear Doc Podcast. Uh, Today, we've got a really cool guest. As you know, we're doing a mini sequence of episodes that are based just on dental entrepreneurs. Uh, today, I've got Crystal Chu with me, and she, of course, is the founder and CEO of Coco Floss, which I know everyone's heard of. So I'm really excited to interview her. But first, let's have a word from our sponsor. Hi, folks. This is Doc Huffpower, founder of the Business of Dentistry and host of the Dear Doc podcast. Before we go any further, I'd like to talk to you a little bit about one of our fine sponsors, Dentamax. Now, I've been able to land a phenomenal deal for all of our TBOD members and our listeners on the Dentamax Dream Sensor. Before I jump into the offer, if you didn't already know, Dentamax offers high-quality dental sensors. They sent me one of their Dream Sensors to try out my office, and my staff just raved about it. If you're picky about image quality, Dentamax has you covered. When you get your sensor in, a technician will help you by setting it up so that you get clear, concise images all of the time. In fact, they can even set it to mimic a sensor that you had before that you like the image on. All you have to do is share which one it was. It has a tough, durable housing, and it's backed by a three-year manufacturer warranty, which is one of the longest warranties in the industry. I also like the thin design. With the beveled corners, it makes it easy to place in the patient's mouth, and it's pretty comfortable. Now, I know a lot of you may be worried, will this work with my imaging software? You don't have to worry there. Denimax has you covered there as well. Denimax Dream Sensor works with virtually all software. In fact, it's usually plug and play, and you never even have to use a Twain driver. I'm excited to share this special with you because David Ornett, Denimax's CEO, was willing to give us a really great deal. All of our members can try the Dentamax Dream Sensor for free. That's right. They'll ship it out to you and let you use it for two weeks. In fact, they'll even have their technician dial it in on your systems to make sure it looks as good as possible. Now, all you have to do to get this offer is go to Dentamax.com forward slash TBOD. But guys, that's not it. Dynamax is going to give you $3,000 off of their retail price, plus a $200 discount above and beyond that, just for being a member of this community. So you can get a size one sensor for just $27.99 and a size two sensor for $37.99. It's a really great deal on a really great sensor, but you don't have much time to wait because this deal ends on July 4th. So go ahead and go to dentamax.com forward slash TBOD, check out the deal, and celebrate your freedom from high prices. Thanks again, folks. This is Doc Huffpower. Let's get back to the show. Okay, folks, we're back. Crystal, is it Crystal? Crystal? You know, it, it's such a cool spelling. I'm afraid I'm, I'm murdering it over here. <laughs> That's okay. It's Crystal Koo. Crystal Koo. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Crystal, talk to me a little bit about your journey getting into dentistry. What called you to dentistry as a field? Well, um, I think the most obvious call for me was the fact that my mother is a dentist. She's a general dentist. 
And it wasn't until I was in my senior year of college that I really decided that I wanted to follow her footsteps. So it was after I'd already declared a chemistry major and basically completed it um, and already kind of explored other avenues for myself for careers. Um, it was in my senior year that I, um, I had a lot of fun volunteering and teaching children how to brush and floss their teeth at local elementary schools. And that was it. And I decided this is so much fun. I love educating people on prevention and health. Um, and then I decided to go to dental school. That's fantastic. You know, it's funny, you and I have some commonality there. Uh, my, my major in, um, in college, the second time I went back was molecular and cellular biology. And I am about 12 hours away from having a chemistry degree as well, because of wow. just the way that things got together. Mm -hmm. I bet you can guess that it was analytical. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh, I didn't want to take analytical so bad. You'd be surprised. My, for me, the hardest one was physical chemistry. I loved analytical, but physical was getting a little abstract for me. <laughs> for, for me, it was, it was, um, OCHEM. I actually ended up mm. being published, I think three times. No, I was published two times and I had one paper um, that was a, a board paper, but, um, and it was, it was just the weirdest thing. I, I got out of class and I thought I had flunked a test and the professor comes up to me afterwards and he's like, I want to talk to you about your answer to the bonus question. And it was the Wittig reaction, if you remember that. And oh, um, no, I, I, I looked at him and said, <laughs> it's the Wittig reaction. I couldn't remember how it went. I screwed up. I'm so sorry. He said, you created a 32 step workaround. Wow. That works. And I said, yeah, I know my yields are terrible. And he said, no, you don't understand. I want to ask you to be in my research group. You obviously you've been paying attention. So that's amazing. It, it really was an amazing time in my life. I, I think maybe in another life, I might've chosen the path of research. I just truly love that element of discovery in the sciences, but enough about that. So you <laughs> go to dental school and, um, school. you know, you, you do your, your four years of, uh, of, of hell. Did you opt to get a couple more years under your belt after that or what? No, I, um, I actually, I did the non-traditional route and did the accelerated three-year program at University oh, of the Pacific. Yeah. And I actually didn't even expect to get into dental school that year, straight out of college, um, considering I was a little late to the game with my application, yeah. um, but miraculously got in that year. So one year after graduating college, entered dental school at Pacific, and it was definitely intense. Um, I remember having 10 finals at the five during finals week in our first quarter. And absolutely. And, uh, yeah, it was probably the roughest week in my life academically. Um, I think the rev was the worst. It, it wasn't even the rev itself. It was getting your freaking patients to show up. Oh, I know. and patients are still the thing I have the least patience with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to have that behind us. And in retrospect, had what, like, if it were an option for me at the time, I think I would have liked to do like a residency in lieu of the exam. And right. I know a lot of people did that. Well, um, I think, I think yeah. uh, New York has that opportunity, don't they? They do a two-year um, AGD in, instead yeah. of doing panels or something. And I think California does too. And I think it was available. It's just starting to become available when I was graduating, but it wasn't yet the norm. So right. I went ahead and did the rep. <laughs> so what year did you graduate in? 2008. 2008. Well, I'm, a, I'm a 2012 graduate myself. Oh, nice. So, um, so you get out of dental school. What did you do? Did you open a practice? Did you work for someone as an associate? What was your journey like there before you got into kind of the entrepreneurial side of things? Yeah, so I, I kind of did a little bit of both. I worked as an associate two to three days a week um, in San Francisco. 
at, with a general dentist. Um, quite honestly, though, he kind of had me mostly as a glorified hygienist because he would schedule mostly big care appointments for There's me. There's a lot of stuff like that <laughs> going on these days. Yeah. I mean, it was great. I did get to learn, you know, a lot of things there, but it, um, it was quite a bit of recare. Um, I was seeing like 16 recares a day. Um, so more than I would have any of my hygienists do now. Um, and then other, the days that I wasn't working in his practice, I was, um, had all the time in the world to build a practice from scratch out of an empty chair that my mother had in her practice and never used. Excellent. So did you do that as a, as a, a renter in a, in a bay in her office, or did you actually do a scratch startup and build out? I basically started from scratch there. Um, I started, you know, she, she had, so my mother was very um, unique in that she had a two operatory practice and for the entirety of her career used just one. Well. <laughs> she had one staff member who helped her both in the front and in the back, and she never needed the second chair. Man, um, you could do some high scale concierge type stuff like that these days. That would be, yeah. I mean, like corporate raiders is it? Well, of course, we're here for you at any time of the day. We'll cut right? over at midnight. I don't think anyone builds dental practices this way anymore. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Mine, mine was kind of odd because I only had three chairs. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it's now, yeah. now you've got to have six chairs if you're a PPO practice at, at a minimum. And I, I would say seven to eight. <sighs> yeah. Well, I mean, maybe in Texas, you have room for that. In California, I have five now. And that's really stretching it. We're like, right. our, our ops feel a little bit like shoe boxes sometimes. But um, yeah, we had two. So my mother built her practice in 1986. She built okay. two and she was new to California. She had moved from Connecticut. She didn't really know many people. So two operatories made sense for her at the time. Um, and she never used the second operatory. So here I was new graduate all the time in the world to see my friends and, um, and friends of friends in that second right. empty chair. And that's how I kind of like the seeds of entrepreneurship started for me um, because I you know, had to market myself and put my name out there. Nobody knew who I was. Um, yeah, and I was brand new, fresh out of school. Um, but I think, you know, it worked out well because I really got to hone in on the style of dentistry that I wanted to practice and be the doctor without, I wanted to be. Without the overhead of, you know, yeah. anxiety from, oh, school loans and building rental and, and everything else that you have as a scratch startup. That's a, that's a really, I was really interesting lucky. way to start up. I, I, yeah. I kind of, I think that would be like heaven. Yeah, I was super lucky. I feel it was like like a little incubator and I got like one the one seat that was available and I got to use it. So um, it was great. So you've got your practice started up now and you're seeing, you know, like friends and family, you finally mm -hmm. got established. Um, did you go on to open another practice after that? Did you continue practicing that one chair? I mean, you have five now, so you didn't yeah. stack them on top of Something each other. Something happened, yeah. Right. Um, so very quickly, I want to say within a couple of years of my doing my own thing out of that one chair, I kind of, um, I mean, this was also, this was a long time ago. This is like in 2009 or so at that point, um, all of a sudden, you know, search engines were picking me as the top pick as, you know, like you asked Siri, who's the best dentist in San Mateo? And my name would come up on that list, which is did, like, did you what? ever look at <laughs> it just am I? to feel better about yourself after you've had a bad day? I, I definitely like did. to look at my good reviews like, <laughs> Okay, I needed that. Like, really, if somebody <laughs> likes me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there were definitely days when, you know, there were some patients who would walk in expecting to see a more senior doctor and they're like, 
where's the doctor? Um, it's like, I'm here. <laughs> and, um, and then they would, you know, I mean, politely, they would say, you know, I was expecting somebody older. I heard such great things about this doctor, but I was expecting a more senior doctor. This is not the practice for me, which is totally right. fine. Yeah. I think, I think that women and particularly Asian women are disproportionately affected by that because yeah. do look very, very young. I mean, I, I, I was talking to a lady the other day. I thought she was at 35, she was 65. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's incredible. Like I, yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, wow. when you say in a situation like that, you're like, do you still get carded? <laughs> she, she, she ate it up. She thought I was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I was, I was kind of, and you were probably being honest too. I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, hopefully I'll grow up to be that way. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so then I, you know, I did really well at Yelp, um, did a lot for me too. I mean, I didn't pay for Yelp. I never paid for a Yelp app luckily, but they kept driving patients to me. So I was totally booked and I very quickly um, took over my mom's chair. Um, I, she had been working five days a week for the entirety of her career. And I kind of whittled her down. I was like, I need that chair more than you do. Um, and then I got to the point where my, my schedule was so ridiculous that, um, you know, I was, um, I mean, I, I did eventually hire a staff um, because it was just too much for me to take on by myself. But there were days when I would have two hygienists working in the two chairs and then I would be in the back just waiting to do exams because I had to maintain, you know, all my hygiene patients. Um, and it also got to the point where I didn't even have room to do treatment sometimes. So yeah. it would be like, oh, um, well, Chris, you have a tooth here that looks like it's going to need a crown. And I will you know, see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, let's do it in six months. Let's do it at your recare in October. Yeah. That's what it turned into. And it was just, it was ridiculous. So, um, and then, you know, this kind of further like germinated my like ideas about entrepreneurship and what I wanted to do, um, you know, in dentistry, but kind of to support what my support dentistry, but also, um, you know, without being able to always be able to physically do all the work that I wanted to do for all my patients. So you have been described as rabidly pro-prevention. Yeah. So, so tell me about the journey into that philosophy, because I think that that philosophy informs where you ended up and some of your entrepreneurial efforts. Yes, totally. So, um, so in college, you know, I, I fell in love with dentistry because I started to, I, I found it really fun to teach little kids how to brush their teeth. Right. And then in dental school, I um, took on um, the role of president of the community service organization. And so I helped coordinate community service um, for all of the students in the school. And um, we did outreach projects like locally and we would you know travel far away. We would do um, some of the most memorable events like involved you know working out of um, mobile dental trucks. Um, we would pull um, like farm workers off the fields and, and, and check on their teeth and work on them. Um, and what I found in all of these experiences, oh, and also I, I've done like um, dentistry in very rural Peru and in the Philippines. So no matter where you go, whether you're in like the backyard of, you know, your own town, or if you're in Peru, um, the truth is like, yes, you can drill and fill and you can, you can help heal a tooth and you can help somebody feel better right now and improve their smile. Yes. But if you don't educate them on how to maintain all the work that you've done for them and to maintain their teeth, even the work that you've put in is all going to go to waste. Absolutely. And it's so frustrating, right? Yeah. So I just like, yeah. So between all the volunteer work and the fact that I didn't even have a lot of room in my dental time, my like dental practice to like do the treatments, like, come on guys, like you got my patients, like you guys really just need to start taking care of your teeth. Like I need you to take care of your teeth. 
And I just needed to get better at being able to message that to people. Um, it just, you know, it just grew ever more important to me. And I just saw the importance of it, but I realized that I wasn't doing a good enough job of relaying that information to my patients. Like I get it and I see it, I know all the problems, but how do I translate that to my patients? And so that's how I became so obsessed with prevention. No, it's, it's one of the, one of the things that was, I actually, I just, I just uh, finished speaking to, um, to another entrepreneur and he calls himself a dry finger dentist. I told him I'm stealing that because I don't work in, in, in the chair anymore. So now I'm hey, I like that. Dentist. Yeah. So, you know, before I became a dry finger dentist, um, one of my favorite questions to ask a patient was, I know you've been told to floss, but has anyone ever sat down and showed you how to floss? And the answer was 100% no. And that really blew my mind. You know, I was a big advocate for you know, a lot of the carry free products and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, you know, biological testing. A lot of people think I'm a biological dentist. I'm not. I just mm-hmm. believe in the science behind what we do. Right. And I believe in prevention. And so it, I'm glad to talk to someone else who has that same kind of passion for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you ask, and it's great that you worded the question that way to your patients, because if you ask them like, Hey, can I show you how to floss? Or would you like me to show you? They're going to say no. No, oh, no, I got it. <laughs> pop, 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 bleed, bleed, bleed. We're good. Exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting. And, and it's what it's about is starting the conversation mm-hmm. and to talk to someone. The operative word there is not talk. It's to, it's not at. So I, I agree. It, it, it depends a lot on how you word things and using open-ended questions for mm-hmm. your patient to give you the information. One, one of my favorite professors in dental school told me one day, he said, you can do all you want to test a tooth. You can do all you want. You can learn everything there is under the sun. But in the end, the patient will tell you the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And if you don't listen to them, you always lose. So we're at this point in your life now where you're stacking five chairs on top of each other so that you can see all your hygiene patients. And um, you've made all these great trips and you have this epiphany that you really want to impact people's lives more. Yeah. Like us, how can I help tell people? Tell us about your entrepreneurial efforts and, and, and yeah. tell us how that, how that germinated. Yeah. So, I mean, like my limitation was my lack of space. Um, you know, I only had two chairs and most of the time I was giving them to the hygienists. Um, and so I, you know, I just grew more frustrated. <laughs> and of course, I, all the while I'm looking for a new office. I'm looking for a space to build out. Like I am looking for that. But in the meantime, I'm frustrated. Um, <clears throat> and it worked out because um, at the same time, parallel path, my sister, um, she was getting frustrated with her career. So she was in finance, um, but she's kind of an, she's an artist at heart. And um, she had decided for herself, I am done working for other people. I'm going to start my own company. And um, of course, I was very supportive of her. Um, and we grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area. So entrepreneurship is it's basically in the water there. Um, and so, you know, we were all for it. We said, yeah, do it. We're, and I was very supportive. Um, I, she, I helped her launch her um, startup called Enzo Art. Her goal was to help um, an uh, artists create original art for people just like you and me, something that we could afford is something that we like. Um, the problem with the, like the model as it was back then is that galleries take at least 50% of, um, like, you know, when you see like art on the wall in the gallery, it's, it says a thousand dollars, but the artist only right. makes 500. Right. And so Catherine thought that she could fix this model. 
great thing is now fast forward to like present day. I think people have fixed this model, um, but back then there really wasn't a solution. Right, for there's us. like fineart.com and things like that. Yeah, now. there's so many options now. Yes, yes. So art is more accessible now, but at the time it didn't feel that way. So she um, went ahead and quit her job and, you know, started Enzo Art and probably worked at it for about nine months or so. And then had a really hard time, you know, <laughs> finding customers. I think the one piece of art she sold was to my dad. <laughs> so it was, um, it was hard for her because she, you know, she's like, I don't really want to go back to, you know, what I was doing before, uh, but I, I really want to do my own thing. I want to build a brand. And that's when she was like, you know, Crystal, what are the problems you're facing in dentistry now? <laughs> and of course, like, you know, like there are a lot of problems in dentistry and we can think of so many. Um, but the one, like, I think one of the biggest problems that I relate to her that she actually didn't find interesting at all was the fact that people aren't flossing. So this is one of many problems in dentistry, but at the time I was so obsessed with floss. Um, we ran like a, you know, a report on our, um, software and over half of the restorations I did, like, uh, yeah, like composite restorations, they involved areas in between the teeth, right? Exactly. So over half of them. Um, so that was enough for me to know, like, you know, if, if we could just help people just do something and clean in between their teeth from time to time, like it can make a big difference. Do you feel like you are wasting your time and money marketing your dental practice? The fact is most marketing companies are not focused on your best interests. They focus on their profit. At Art of Dental Marketing, our engagements are month to month, allowing you a low risk and foundational level to build trust as we build real solutions. Right now, TBOD members can enjoy exclusive discounted pricing on our ultra fast websites and local SEO services. Visit us online at artofdentalmarketing.com or call us at 913-214-8502. So um, that's when I kind of started to take time away from the dental practice and work with my sister on Coco Floss. All right. And then it so, wasn't until, yeah, years so later. What that is Cocoa Floss for anyone who's been under a rock? So uh, Cocoa Floss is a woven dental floss infused with coconut oil, and it comes in fun fragrances like coconut, strawberry, orange, and mint. Um, and what's great about it is just how well it works. It just removes plaque biofilm so well, so clean. Um, and it's very satisfying to floss with Cocoa Floss. So for the first time ever, when people floss with Cocoa Floss, they, they can see their plaque coming off their teeth and they're like, they're like, oh, this is gross, but now I get it. You know, like now they know why they need to floss. Whereas with thin slippery flosses, you know, yes, you can get the floss in between your teeth easily, but nothing happens. And maybe the most that'll happen is that your gums will bleed and um, people don't like that. And they're like, well, why am I doing this? So, you know, I know all the dental professionals know like patients generally don't floss. Um, so I wanted to create a floss that worked better and that people actually wanted to use. There's a, there's a meme out there somewhere that says, um, well, sir, when's the last time you flossed? And the guy goes, you were there. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's a good one. I should make one of those. That's, that's a good joke. You haven't seen that one yet? <laughs> I haven't, but um, I, I feel like, yeah, please do. <laughs> I love that. So I actually, I have to say, I've, I've tried the product. Um, I had great difficulty with my terminal molars um, because my contacts were so tight. So I still have to mm. use ribbon floss back there and it mm -hmm. shreds ribbon floss. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. So, I mean, like the, the glide 
extra thick ribbon, you know, yeah. extra, extra tall ribbon, it shreds it. So, really? but I loved the fact that, so when I, when I taught my patients how to floss, I would tell them, okay, so you gently break the contact. And as soon as you feel a lack of resistance, you stop pushing, mm-hmm. you push against the adjacent tooth. And I want you to remember Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off, make little circles, then push it against the other one. Now I want you to go down and I want you to touch the gum and I want you to massage the gum. That feels so good with your floss. <laughs> it I really, I, I, like, I was like, oh man, this is, oh, I like that. Yeah. No, but I love your floss instruction. That's so specific and detailed. Well, it makes and, them think because it puts yeah. a visual with it, right? Yeah. That's great. So now that you, you have this company and you started with your sister, talk to us a little bit about um, marketing it, getting it out there. Um, and, um, and also any growing pains that you had as a company, uh, obviously your sister worked in finance previously. And so probably getting funding rounds was a lot easier for you than some people, <laughs> but talk to us a little bit about, you know, those, the, the latter. Yeah. So, um, well, we actually, to date, we are bootstrapped, so we haven't yet received any outside funding. Um, thankfully, you know, with the dental practice, I had, um, I basically decided oh, I'm going to put off paying off my student loans. Like I'm not going to pay off as much as I can. I'm going to pay off as minimum as I can. And instead I put that money into Coco Floss um, and marketing it and getting the word out. I basically sent samples of it to everyone I knew in dentistry, um, all my dental colleagues, like from dental school, um, teachers, um, dental hygienists that I've met in the past. So I, I wanted to make sure that every dental professional that I knew had tried Coco Floss for themselves to see if they liked it. And the great thing about it is because it works so well, dental professionals love Coco Floss. And so that kind of started like a lot of, you know, word of mouth marketing for us, which has been really great. Um, we have also leveraged social media. Um, we launched it in 2015. So it was, um, younger back then. I mean, social media is such a, a bigger beast now than it was. Back it is. Then. It really is. Yeah. Um, but it's been, it's been great. Um, very well received among the dental community and, uh, we, yeah, we're just so grateful to the dental community for helping us grow the brand. So talk to me a little bit about finding manufacturing uh, facilities and things like that and design and prototyping and expenses there. I want you to tell your story as an entrepreneur in such a way that if anyone else is looking at jumping off that bridge, which by the way, folks, is the most rewarding thing you've ever done and also the most frightening. So talk to us about it. Walk us through those steps and also any advice that you would have to give to anyone who is, you know, a foundling uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, well, I guess first, before you, before spending any money, um, what we, what we did and what I recommend people do is to de-risk everything by making sure that you are creating something that people actually want. Um, so you're going to have to do a lot of customer development and um, customer discovery. So before, you know, spending money on making something, because making a prototype can cost a lot of money, um, you want to make sure you're talking to everybody one by one, having like, you know, in-depth conversations and probing conversations about like, what are their problems and needs? Um, and so and that's talk to your customers. That's the thing. Customers. Mm-hmm. If you go yeah. and you talk to other dentists, they're going to tell you all the same crap you already know. And it's an echo chamber. Talk right. to the people um, who'll be buying the stuff. Exactly. So that's actually where we started. And so the tipping point for my sister um, to even want to do this with me 
was um, we sent out a survey to like everyone we knew at the time. And um, we basically um, just, she, cause like I knew, I've, I'd seen thousands of people at that point. Like I knew what was going on in people's mouths, right? We know what's going on in people's mouths. But my sister was like, I don't get this. Like she didn't understand the whole, the whole thing. She didn't understand flossing. She didn't understand gum disease um, or caries. So we um, created like a Facebook invitation where we just invited everyone we knew on Facebook because that was the easiest way to connect to people. And we um, invited them to do like a floss challenge with us. And we sent them a survey asking them about their existing flossing habits or existing home care habits, dental problems, um, what they want to see. And so we, we actually got over 100 responses. Um, and so that was like the beginning of like Catherine, like looking at the data is like, like, okay, there's really something here. There's like, you know, considerable amount of like pain and um emotional like strife that goes into like patients having to have their teeth worked on um and this problem that you know she's like crystal okay i see it like this problem we're talking about with flossing i see it it is sounds universal and then through that um all of a sudden i mean because like you and i we're accustomed to being privy to like private conversations about people's health and their oral health but people like my sister that's not something you talk about at happy hour or at the coffee shop right, right? but all of a sudden because you know catherine started, you know, had sent this out to everyone she knew. She was literally having these conversations with people like everywhere she met, everywhere she went. Um, and she was blown away. She was like, I had no idea like how prevalent these issues were. Like people that she, you know, works with, for example, or people that she lives with, like she didn't know that they had to have a gum surgery and they're only like 23 or however old they were at the time. You know, it's like, why is, why is that happening? Um, and so she just after the, after, um, like really like learning about who the customers could and would be, that's when we started like realizing, okay, this could be worth an investment. And so um, prototyping and uh, manufacturing. Um, so once you decide that you've like, you have conviction that, you know, you know what you want to build and who you're building it for, then um, you can find partners to help you make your, whatever Absolutely. it is, your widget come build to life. A team. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to have the right team. You have to have people, not necessarily everyone who wants to be on the bus, but enough people to fill the different seats. You have to have a team that has different interests and different talents. Yeah. Yeah. So for the first um, few years, it was just me and my sister. Um, but we, we worked with a lot of like contractors and, um, you know, partners to help us um, create our products and, um, grow the business. And thankfully now we have an awesome team. There are about 30 of us now working on Coco Floss, which feels like a dream come true for me because this is like my crazy idea in my head. That's become like I can a see reality. the commercial now. Okay. One doctor starts with one chair. <laughs> yeah, actually that is how it started. Um, yeah. So anyways, um, so we just, you know, found partners to work with to help, um, you know, create our products and you just, you know, you, you, that, that this is where the money, a little bit of money is involved, not a, not a lot necessarily, but you need to like have enough conviction to invest in like a prototype and then invest in like an initial product run, like a production run. Um, and then you have to get it out there. So that's what we did. The, the initial um, floss that we made. You that make was what that we gave sound away. so easy, Crystal. <laughs> I know better. <laughs> uh, it definitely takes time. <laughs> That it does. That it does. Yeah. And a lot of dedication, a lot of sleepless nights, and a lot of mornings that you don't want to get out of bed because you have a, a stack of problems that you have to deal with that day that will probably take you longer than that one day. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's a lot of discomforts, a lot of not seeing your family and friends. Yeah. Um, 
That's yeah. the truth of the journey. It's true. We worked basically every weekend and every night, um, especially because, you know, I had the dental practice also going along. I mean, it was good then that I only had one chair to work out of where, you know, sometimes zero. So all that time I was putting into Coco Floss. Um, and then also my sister was dedicated to doing it full time. So she was committed. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, it was definitely a lot of work. One of the most common traits that I found, um, I hang out with a lot of entrepreneurs because, you know, we, we, we kind of attract each other. And um, I noticed that there is very often a common trait that doesn't get mentioned a lot. And that's the, I just did it trait, which is mm. everyone will come up to you and they're like, that sounds so hard. How did you? And the only thing you can think to say is I, I, I just did it. <laughs> Have you found that's that true. people come up to you and they're like, how, how are you working in your office and starting this company? And yeah, know, it, it, it flabbergasts and it really does. But that's true. It didn't seem that it. hard at the time. Every day we just do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. That's so true. It's the Nike, it's the Nike trait folks. Just do it. Just do it. That's by the way, I mean, Phil Knight's book, um, Shoe Dog, really mm -hmm. great book for entrepreneurs. Oh, I have to check that out. Yeah. So tell me if you had a list of the top traits, let's say someone wants to become an entrepreneur. They, they have a burning desire, which by the way, guys, is the first step to becoming an entrepreneur is wanting to do it. Yes. Very few people just fall off the bus into it. So what would you say your top four or five traits that they can work on themselves to become better at being an entrepreneur or to, or to frankly prepare them for that journey? Top five traits. Well, um, I guess, I, well, I almost wonder if all these traits come out because like, as you mentioned, you have to want to do it. Right. So you're driven by something. It's like, you want to build something, you want to create something. And so in order to get there, you're going to have to like hone, you know, your skills and experience to get you there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned grit and I think that's definitely, I mean, that's something that's, I think is important to be an entrepreneur. Um, I don't know how you build that though. <laughs> Maybe it's just, quite honestly, though, I think dentists like have a lot of, you know, entrepreneurial spirit being a dentist, you know, and a lot of us are practice owners um, and that in and of itself, um, you know, like starting the company for Coco Floss, um, you know, there are a lot of like very small, you know, like operational hurdles. And for like, at least between me and my sister, like I knew how to do all those things. Like I've done this before. Like, like I know how to like employ people or like create right. payroll or, you know, like just like have a business period. Like these things I, I know how to do. Um, I think just, uh, just the attitude of like a can do attitude is really important. Just, you know, being, able, being willing to, um, like, if you don't know the answer, you don't just stop and say, well, I don't know what to do. Go find that answer. Um, yeah. I, um, I was just interviewing, um, like I said, uh, Jeremy Krell, um, from, um, well, you know, Jeremy. I've, yes, I do. So uh, he actually said an entrepreneur is the kind of person who, when they're driving along, will stop, pull over on the side of the road and politely interrupt something, someone who's drinking coffee to get directions. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't know and you don't ask, you still don't know. Right. Yeah. And just willingness to put yourself out there, you know, um, like if, you know, we like there are experts in all 
fields and, you know, people who know more than we do about all kinds of things. And if you want to find out, if you want to learn more about something, go ahead and reach out to, you know, reach out to the expert on this. And I mean, maybe you won't get a reply, but maybe you will. (laughs) And then maybe they they can help you on your journey. Elon Musk may actually answer your tweet. (laughs) Just might. Yeah. (laughs) It will probably be snarky as hell. Yeah. One, one of the things I always tell people about entrepreneurship is exactly or, or very, very nearly what you just said there. There are people out there who know things that we don't know. One of the best traits an entrepreneur can have is the ability to identify talent in other people, a willingness to use it, and the foresight to see how seemingly unrelated things can connect to make something beautiful and new that each person, each talent didn't know about. I, I always tell the story about whenever I was in college, um, back in um, my North room, uh, and um, <laughs> my, first, my first stint in college, 1993. Uh, so we were on the Unix Sun Systems, like almost everybody at that time, I think. And um, we had this guy on campus, and he could make really cool graphic designs for the cursor. And so... I told him, man, I want a dragon. And he said, oh, okay, I can do that. I said, and I, when you click it, I want it to breathe fire and I want it to burn the icon before it launches the program. So, oh, that can't be done. So I talked to another guy who he could make a cursor morph and do weird things, but he wasn't really great at like fine art stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I put them both together and I didn't even tell them that they were working on that project. First guy made me my dragon and gave it to me. And I gave it to the second guy and I said, can you make this breathe fire and burn the icon? So when I got it, I went back to the first guy and I said, look what you helped create. And he's like, oh my God, that's so amazing. How'd you do it? And I said, I didn't, you did. You just didn't know that you could do it. So I'd like to think that that guy somewhere now owns a multi-billion dollar company (laughs) from that one lesson. I, and I would be so proud, but (laughs) he's probably in his mom's basement eating Cheetos. <laughs> well, he he was he was on uh he was on Nailnet at uh, three o'clock in the morning playing multi-user dungeons. So, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, there is some sacrifice in entrepreneurship. So, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of um a lot of weekends work, and um it became the norm. And, and thankfully now I have a family, and I, I don't do that anymore. But yep. um, I I'm glad that I did it when I did, <laughs> no I doubt, because I don't know that I think yeah. I, I look back now and I think to myself, where did you find the energy to do that? And I realize I've become mm-hmm. one of them now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How did you I do know. that? Right. Oh, yeah. Man. So uh, I, I'm going to close with uh, asking you, what is the worst, since you were a chemistry major, mm. what is the worst copper joke that you've had told to you about your name. Okay. I've been sitting here thinking, see you the entire time with chemistry. It's like, yeah. Ooh, I've got some good ones I can make up there. So what, well, what's the worst one you've had? Uh, I mean, actually, thankfully, not nobody made fun of it. I'm, I, I think about it all the time. Whenever you were with I look boring, at my name. you were with boring chemistry. <laughs> I, my chemistry friends were insane. You know what? So I went to a women's college. And oh, well, so, there you go. yeah, I they were think all it probably changed thinking the, the same thing as you, but they were just too, they were just very nice anything. about it. Yeah. <laughs> like there was none of that. Like nobody like made fun of anybody. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so 
If they would like to get in touch with you and find out more about Cocoa Floss, how can our viewers do that? Yeah, so you can check out Cocoa Floss at CocoaFloss.com. If you're a dental professional, you can shop at CocoaFlossPro.com. Uh, my email address is crystal at cocofloss.com, but I realize that my name is hard to spell <laughs> as doc, as you've mentioned. So um, you can also uh, email hi at cocofloss.com and you can find your way to me that way. Sounds great. Folks, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Dear Doc podcast. And Crystal, thank you for joining us as well. And um, come on. Thank you. Bye guys. Have a great day. Hey folks, before I let you go, I just wanted to make sure I thank United Medical Credit for sponsoring this podcast and also the business of dentistry. Go check out their website at www.unitedmedicalcredit.com forward slash TBOD to get a special deal. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc Podcast your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.